That, of course, is the immortal Neil Young doing his cover of Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller's On Broadway. We talked about the passing of Jerry Lieber on this program some weeks back and had quite a bit of fun doing that because the guy wrote some pretty fun tunes, and we thought we would uh, uh, augment our discussion a bit by maybe bringing up some other fun tunes he talked about. To help us do that today is our good friend Kyle Larson. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Kyle. Thanks, Doug. And we should remind people that some years back you came and talked about cannabis and, and the, the nefarious history of how it was made illegal in the 30s. Indeed. We should revisit that. It's a big subject. <laughs> let's have you come back sometime in, let's say, December. Okay. And, and we'll talk about, uh, about that again because, you know, there, there, a lot of, there was a lot of interesting politics that went into the, uh, the reefer madness era. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but uh, Jerry Lieber, Mike Stoller, I, I guess you, you thought we did an okay job? I thought you were you did an outstanding job. Yes, <laughs> well, we'd like to hear that, but uh, <laughs> but I know you want you had more things to say about it. So how would you augment what we had to say about uh, about Lieber and Stoller? Well, uh, it's just the uh, pl- proliferation of uh, tunes that they wrote that were huge hits in the fifties and early sixties. It's uh, actually pretty amazing when you look down the list at uh, what they did and uh, how much it impacted the music industry at the time. The Beatles and the Stones and uh, other bands. British Invasion and American groups were I- incredibly influenced by uh, the songs written by these two. That, that's what I hear. And and and, and um, what do you know about the coasters? I mean, I've got. I used to have a coasters tape, and I think everything on it I thought was pretty hilarious. There was uh, certainly a group that was written for with a sense of humor. Absolutely, and it seems that uh, pretty much every coaster song I've ever heard was written by Lieber and Stoller, and many of them were huge hits, including the uh, the couple that you played uh, on the earlier obituary. Well, I believe we cover. I believe we mentioned Charlie Brown and Yakety Yak, but uh, Kyle, you made up a list, uh, a CD for us to use uh, to augment that. And I don't know which coasters tune should we do. How about Along Came Jones? Along Came Jones is a classic. Let's do, let's hear a bit of it. Give me the tea to your ranch, I'll saw you all in half. And then he grabbed her, and, and then he tied her up, and then he turned on the bus, so. and, and then, and then, and then a long day, John. Talking, John. Slow talking, John. Well, there's just no mistaking anyone else than the coasters when it comes to that tune. That's correct. Uh, you also uh, brought us Young Blood, another favorite of mine. I think we should we should excerpt that. Oh, outstanding choice. Young Blood. Young Blood. Young Blood. I can't get you out of my mind. I met her dad, he said You better leave my daughter alone Well, I couldn't sleep a wink for trying I saw the rising of the sun And all night 
Now, Kyle, some, some might think hearing that song that, you know, they're referring to an underage girl, but we have no way of knowing, do we? Uh, no, but in the days when those records were made, uh, things could not be presented in such a clear manner as to cause trouble with the FCC or various groups of conservative people who didn't think that this sort of uh, music should be played for the youngsters of the day. So they couched it in terms that uh, would keep them out of trouble with the FCC. And I think we should give the Coasters and, and, and Lieber and Stoller the benefit of the doubt on that one, because after all, we don't want any problems with the FCC ourselves. That's right. I think on our show we made passing mention of the classic Hound Dog, how it started out with Big Mama Thornton. Elvis liked it, did his version. But Kyle, I really, I really have to hand it to you. You've come up with the all-time version here of Hound Dog. Well, that was one that uh, Hendrix recorded for a BBC session back in the mid-60s. And, Jimi uh, Hendrix. Yep. Hound Dog, 19... we got to hear this one. Hey, baby, I'm here to tell you about yourself. You ain't nothing but a hound dog Scratching all the time You ain't nothing but a hound dog, baby Scratching all the time You ain't never caught no rabbits You ain't no friend of mine Well, you said you was hiding Found out that was just a lie Kyle, I think you, you're going to be an honorary uh, KDVS DJ before we're done here with the with these with these choices. Uh, I, I love this one, Riot in Cell Block Number Nine by the Robins. Yes, the Robins were a group, a sort of a predecessor group to the Coasters. Some of the members were the same, and they had a few personnel changes and changed their name to the Coasters later. But the Robins did a couple of classic Lieber Stoller tunes before they turned into the Coasters. Well, let's hear some of this. <laughs> July the 2nd, 1953 I was serving time for armed robbery At 4 o'clock in the morning I was sleeping in my cell I heard a whistle blow Then I heard somebody yell There's a ride going on All right, now if we're going to talk about a tune that's probably been covered more than any other tune in history, I think that one candidate might be the following, uh, the Love Potion Number 9 from, what, the Clovers? Yeah, the Clovers did the classic version of that tune back in the 50s. Let's hear a bit of this. I took my troubles down to Madame Ruth You know that gypsy with the gold cap tooth She's got a pad on 34th and Vine Selling little bottles of Love Potion Number 9 I told her that I was a flop with chicks I've been this way since 1956 She looked at my palm and she made a magic sign She said what you need is Love Potion Number 9 she 
You know, when I was in college, a friend of mine had, a, had an album that was was nothing but Louie Louie. <laughs> I imagine you could come up with an album that was nothing but Love Potion Number 9 if you tried. You probably could. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you doing this for us and for the listenership at, uh, at, uh, at KDBS and, and also when we replay this on KZFR. I would imagine if any DJs here wanted to do a tribute to, to Libra and Stoller, they could, they, could, they could run a couple-hour show off these guys. Absolutely. In fact, uh, Jimmy Accardi, who is also a local DJ, uh, actually did a show like that a few years ago. And uh, I was... Uh, what was it, KVMR? Yes. Yes, on KVMR. And uh, that's actually what got me started on uh, uh, investigating how many of the songs that we know so well actually were written by these two guys. Well, I appreciate your effort, and let, maybe let's let's end this by doing a, a little bit of Spanish Harlem by Benny King. I don't know if they, I don't know if they did anything better than that. It's a pretty pretty good tune. It's a fantastic tune. All right, well, Kyle, we have we have a date to have you come back uh, sometime in December. There, since you spoke to us about uh, the history of cannabis, cannabis has developed quite a, quite a bit more history since then. There's a lot of things that have happened, and we should probably, uh, I think, have a discussion of it. Absolutely. It's a, an incredibly timely topic these days. Well, and when you do come back and you bring us some appropriate bumper music to play, it would be uh, cannabis-related. Oh, absolutely. We've got from Cab Calloway up to the modern day. We've got I, it all. Kyle had confidence. I knew, I knew you could do it, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll see you in a couple months. Very good. All right, in the time we got left, let's talk about a few medical items. A new British study shows that like sex and exercise, the physical effect of uncontrollable laughter makes our brains release chemicals called endorphins, which, of course, relax us and relieve pain. Apparently, yes, good belly laugh has some good health effects. Apparently, some evolutionary psychologists at Oxford, at least one spokesman, Robert Dunbar, told the BBCnews.com that it's the emptying of the lungs that causes the good-feeling effect, not just the thought of something funny. I like the nuts and bolts of this. Apparently... Dunbar and colleagues at Oxford asked volunteers to watch either a comedy or a documentary, and then they applied painful levels of cold or pressure to their arms. Turns out the volunteers who had laughed hard during their videos could withstand 10% more pain than those who'd only giggled or those who hadn't been amused at all. The study's authors suggest that being able to really laugh gave humans a unique evolutionary advantage. Chimps and other primates laugh by panting, but only humans can guffaw intensely enough to get all the air out of their lungs and uh, supposedly earn their endorphin benefit. Dunbar said, said that belly laughing may have worked like grooming at a distance for our early ancestors, allowing them to maintain bonds within larger groups than their primate peers could. Well, I don't know about the evolution or biology part over this, but I'm sure that having a good laugh is good for you. And we're also reserving judgment on uh, some evolutionary biology work to come out of at least Cambridge University Press. New book titled, Duels and Duets, Why Men and Women Talk So Differently. 
Write-up and news scientist by Naomi Barron, professor of linguistics at American University in Washington, D.C. Well, I'm just going to quote from it. Empirical science often yields reproducible results that we cannot readily explain. Research on language differences between men and women is one such case. Women seem to use language more for social interaction, while men more often use it to convey information. Writes Barron, variances in vocabulary and grammatical choices have been observed across ages and cultures, and in both spoken and written media. This also appears in emails, instant messages, and text messages. Male instant messages tend to have more spoken character, for example, while IMs sent by women reveal more traits of written language, including longer turns of phrase and fewer contractions. But why? Many linguists have hesitated to conjecture, though the likely suspects have been differential socialization and access to power. Any suggestion of a biological origin has been met with fury, especially from feminine linguists. Into the steps John L. Locke, under the banner of evolutionary biology. He proposes to explain why gender differences exist in language, and it comes down to this. Among our primate forebearers, men did the heavy lifting, the hunting. They used their superior strength, later coupled with verbal braggadocio, to attract the best females for mating. Women bore and reared the young. Locke argues that because women required help in giving birth, since human heads are too large to easily pass to the birth canal, other females needed to offer social support. Thus, human language arose, says Locke. Men, the duelers in real life, became the linguistic duelers. Women, who harmonized with female pairs, became linguistic duetters. I don't know. And neither does Naomi S. Brown. She summarized it by saying, Locke may be applauded for asking why so many men and women speak and write an instant message differently from one another. Unfortunately, while the data he cites show some interesting constant conjunction, his reductionist theories are of little use in establishing causation. That's about it for today's program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks to David Lynch and Kyle Larson. We expect to talk to both of those gentlemen more in the future. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time.